Dombele has picked out Harry Kane, and that could be bad news for Newcastle. It is bad news for Newcastle. A terrific turnaround, and another wonderful goal for Harry Kane. And Tottenham hit the front in style. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Premier League Across the Pondcast. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Foo, and today... I am joined by the guy who called me foe in the last episode. Um, it's the West Ham fan, Joey. What's up, foe noodles? No, I'm just kidding. Thanks again for having me on, foo. Um, it was a pleasure when we did the last episode, and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to recapping another uh, exciting week back from the international break, and uh, an especially good one for my iron. So let's get into it. Yeah, in it, mate. Uh, like you say, let's get into it then. Fantastic weekend of football. And starting off, uh, Saturday first game, early kickoff. Probably the, well, most definitely the biggest shock result of the weekend. Chelsea 2, West Brom 5. Joey, mate, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I came downstairs. So that game probably started about 7am over here. And came downstairs and I was absolutely delighted to see that Chelsea were dropping points. Um, I was kind of worried because I know last time when they played at the Hawthorns, I think West Brom went up 3-0 or something like that. And then they, they ended up drawing 3-3. So I was hoping that they held on. But wow, I was surprised. I guess uh, West Brom just has Chelsea's number this year. And I saw Tuchel after the game talking about how they dominated in every important statistic, including expected goals. But um, I don't know. I guess that's just that's just football for you. It's not always about stats. It's about who can finish, right? And uh, and and West Brom did really well on that day. And if they can continue that form the last what seven or eight games, who knows? Maybe Big Sam can can do a miraculous again. So we'll see. Yeah, mate, definitely. I mean, the game now, Chelsea losing that has just blown the top four battle wide open. Like I think before that game, everyone was thinking that was a dead-on three points for Chelsea and they'd, you know, go further ahead into the top four, mate. But with that happening, like even even last episode I said I don't think Liverpool can get top four. Um but it just it's just changed the complexion of it so much. But Shout out to West Brom. I, w- I don't think Chelsea dominated at all. Like I don't know how much of the game you watched, but oh my, mate, West Brom were playing unbelievable football, especially for their fourth goal. Like Their fourth goal, the counter-attack was just perfect from start to finish. It was so nice. And then Callum Robinson, like I, I don't know what it is, but the only <laughs> Premier League yeah. club you can score against is Chelsea. And it's absolutely madness, mate. He loves scoring against Chelsea. What is it? He has, is it five goals against them now or something like that? Yeah, I think it's five goals know, but... in three games. Um, and he's does he genuinely have zero against like the other like 40 matches he's appeared in? Yeah, mate, he's literally not scoring a Premier League game except for against Chelsea. It's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's on, wild. It's, it's mad. But even just the fact that like... As well for Chelsea, Timo Werner is not confident at all. He could have tapped it in, and you can just see yeah. that he's not like feeling like the striker he used to be because he tramped it across the mountain. Yeah, they still got the goal, but he absolutely sweated it. Yeah, in it, your striker there, mate. You you want him nailing it, and then Pereira as well. 
in insane performance. Two goals, two assists for him. Um, be interesting to see where he goes after West Brom because I think West Brom are definitely going down, and I can't see him staying and playing Championship football because he's way above that. Yeah, he's much above the championship level. Uh, he's he's this class, and I would say I want him at West Ham, but we probably already have uh, enough attacking midfielders, unless we don't sign Lingard on a permanent. But he, uh, my God, he was brilliant, and just the way he can, his long range shooting as well as his passing range is just, it's it's that that is one that is much higher than the rest of the the West Brom team. So yeah, definitely, mate, but. As I say, mad game. Obviously, Chelsea did get the red card when they were 1-0 up. And you probably think Chelsea been really solid defensively under Tuchel, but they they just fell apart, mate, and love to see it. Um, moving on anyway to the next game of the weekend, Leeds v Sheffield. Leeds won that game 2-1. A uh, game you'd expect them to win against Sheffield. I, I honestly didn't even think Sheffield would get a goal. But they managed to. Um, yeah, what were your thoughts on that one? Um, I saw bits and pieces of this game. Um, and I thought Rapinha, Rafinha, however you say his name, I thought he was really good again. Um, I know ba- I, I know Bamford was frustrated because I think he got pulled right after, or right around the 60th, 60th minute. And I think he had a couple chances. I remember, uh, I think it was Ampadu made a tackle that... Uh, took a nice shot off of him where he probably should have been quicker to dispatch the ball and just get a shot on goal. But, um, so I think Leeds could have had more. I didn't really see any, uh, any, that many highlights of Sheffield getting forward, but I was also surprised that they scored. So, um, Hey, another good result for Leeds. And I guess they're still trying to push for a, a top, top of the half of the table finish. So, and they're right there, even with Arsenal. So good for them. Yeah, definitely. And Leeds, uh, as you say, Rafinha, mate, absolute beaut of a player. Um, talk of him maybe going to Liverpool, but for the first goal for Leeds, he worked it really well down the wing and put it on a plate for Harrison, who probably should have scored another goal um, not long after that, mm-hmm. but he put it just wide of the post. And then Sheffield's goal, to be fair to them, it was nice play, but then it was just sort of a scrappy goal. And uh, obviously there was the goal line technology confirming it went over. But it was like it was a whole foot over the line. Like there was no need to even look at goal technology for that. It was obviously in. And then unfortunately, Jaggy Elka scoring the own goal and Leeds, as you say, picking up the three points and pushing for a top ten finish. They're joint on points of Arsenal right now, which is kind of crazy. Eight games to go. Um, be interesting to see where they end up. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, continue to. Um, you know, maintain the the sort of style that they played this year, and also recruit to continue to play that sort of style. And like you said, if Rafinha moves on to a bigger club, um, wherever that is, you know, they're gonna really need to replace him because both creative, creatively, and you know, as a scorer, he's been he's become a a mainstay in the team. So they're fun to watch, obviously. But a um, couple of key injuries or departures, and who knows where they'll be next year. So. Yeah, interesting, interesting case there. Definitely. One thing I just noticed as well uh, that I find interesting about Leeds is they have conceded forty-eight goals and scored forty-seven. That's kind of mad, that isn't it? 
Yeah. I would have thought they I thought you know, I would have thought they scored more than they conceded, but I guess the games that I don't even remember which ones. Did they concede a lot at, at United maybe? I don't know, they had a couple matches where they just absolutely got Yeah, United out, United it. beat them six two, but then a couple games after they beat West Brom five nil. Palace also beat them four one, and Leicester beat them four one. So they they've had some big losses, but they've also had some like really big wins and got a lot of goals. So interesting there to realise that they've got a negative goal difference. But as we say, we'll we'll see if they can kick on and see what happens for them next season. Because I I can see a few of their players being looked at by big clubs. As we say, Bamford as well. Obviously, he loves Leeds, but he's proved that he can do it in the Premier League. He's got like what is it like? 14 goals this season which is a good return um mm-hmm. so yeah we'll, we'll see if their starting 11 is much different next season um and then on to the match that looks like city are definitely gonna be champions they made them go 14 points clear at the top of the table they beat leicester 2-0 yeah this was a uh this was a, a a match that I think was hyped up, you know, throughout the throughout the week, just because it was maybe the last shot that you know they had that a team had at really slowing down City's title run. And obviously, now that they've won, it's it's all but confirmed. But um, I didn't think City got at Leicester like I thought they would in the first half, and you know they eventually got those goals through. Was it Mendy and did Jesus score? And so I think it was just kind of another performance that was characteristic of them since Diaz has arrived. And even if they're not playing their best offensive football and, you know, they're going against a good counterattacking team in Leicester, they uh, they still managed to pull out the points and, and they just found a way. And that's what they've done this year. Yeah, definitely, mate. And I mean, Leicester obviously had the, had the Vardy goal disallowed um, for offside. I mean, definitely was offside. Uh, De Bruyne as well early in the first half hit the crossbar with a great free kick he just thought that was going to go in every time he's over it and then yeah as you say goals in the second half through Jesus who you'd expect obviously he's been finding some good form and getting some good goals for City lately but Mendy mate who I don't even well he's got two this season but if you look back at his last what like four years or something like that He's not scored a goal in the league, which is pretty mad. And then yesterday, he took it. He, sorry, not yesterday, but for the game, he took it really well, actually. That was a great finish. He Did he fake shot and cut back onto his his right? I don't really remember which foot it was, but it was definitely a clinical finish. Just buried it, mate. Bottom corner, madness. But I'd say City um, run away with it less than now. Obviously, West Ham picking up three points, which we'll talk about, and Liverpool and whatnot. But Leicester might even struggle now to stay in the top four. Obviously, they're four points clear of fourth, but traditionally, Leicester have been known to be bottle jobs. So, be interesting to see uh, see how it goes for them. They remain in fixtures. Who've they got? Have they got anyone difficult? Uh, they've got United. They've got Chelsea, and they've got Tottenham. So yeah, not to mention we play them. We play them at the weekend, so that's another. If we beat them at the weekend, we're one point behind them, so it's it's not the easiest run in. And they're full of they're full of full of injuries as well. I think Soyuncu just tested positive for COVID, so he can't play on um, Sunday morning. So 
That's a massive We'll blow. see what happens. Yeah, they, mate, this top four battle is going to be crazy. And moving on then to a game where it's made us look like maybe we can battle for top four. Final game of Saturday was Arsenal nil, Liverpool 3. And I'm not going to lie, going into this game, I was not confident at all, mainly just because Arteta has got a really good record against us. I'm not quite sure what it actually is, but I'm sure when we played Arsenal, so let me have a quick look. Um, obviously, they beat us 1-0. Uh, was that was that in the league? No, so that was in the EFL Cup. And then they beat us 2-1. They beat us 2-1 before that as well. So... Arteta's got a got a good record against us, so going into it, mate, I was pretty nervous. But then, obviously, the boy comes on, Diogo Jota, and he's just he's just Man. so good. Yeah, and I think it's no surprise that he's uh, carried over this form from the international break. I mean, I think he banged in what was it, four or five goals, and I don't know three appearances for Portugal. So you know he's on form there and. Uh, obviously, he had that, I don't know what sort of injury it was, but it kept him out for, was it two to three months? So it's good to see him getting back on form. And I think those goals that have been missing from uh, Firmino and Mane, it, it very much so helps that Jada can come back in and, and you know, help sell out and, and, and take pressure off of the defense and finish some goals. So good for him, good for Liverpool. Yeah, definitely, mate. And Salah as well, getting a goal again, which I was buzzing about. We we could have even made it four, to be fair, at the end when, um, what do you call it, Salah tramped it across to Manny, but he bottled it. And then, weird though, it was, like when I saw it and it was Robertson that came off and Jota came on, I was like, all right, I'm happy Jota's on, but Robertson coming off, that's a bit of a weird call. And then, mm-hmm. just worked so well. Trent, obviously... Showing why Southgate maybe shouldn't have left him out the England side. Perfect ball into him. Jota winning a header there. Like I, I think it was against Rob Holding, who's obviously a lot taller than Jota, mate. Jota's like tiny, but leaping, getting up well. And then his final goal, he just blasted it in. So clean sheet, happy days for us. And um, I'll just quickly say, we absolutely battered Arsenal, mate. They were terrible. <laughs> Yeah, they did not look their best. And did I did Travis Scott play? Pierre Amicop on the Did he? I don't know. Did he? I didn't watch the game. Did he end up taking the field or not? Uh, he did, mate. He started, but um, he basically ghosted the whole game, and he ended up coming off. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure if he got injured, but I know he came off for Martinelli. It might have been because they're saving him for Europa. Um, but yeah, he did absolutely nothing, mate. Yeah. They- they have nothing to play for, basically, in the league, other than, I guess, their pride if they don't want to finish uh, finish in the bottom half of the table. But I feel like they should just go all out for winning the Europa League so they can maybe get Champions League football. But who knows? And then with regards to Liverpool, we've got Villa at home on the weekend. Be interesting to see if we can finally win at Anfield in the league. We scored one goal there in 2021. Um, so I'm nervous for that and obviously the reverse fixture they pumped this 7-2 that was obviously a freak result but we'll have to see like like I say mate with us picking up three points Chelsea dropping points like you say you've got less than X top four race is wide open mate mm-hmm. very much so and uh, if Liverpool pick up some form especially getting Mane or Firmino um, 
scoring some goals, you know, they're always dangerous. So it is it is very much so open. Yeah, okay. definitely, mate. Right then, um, moving on to Sunday's games then. Um, again, another good day of matches. First game, five-goal thriller. It was Southampton 3 and Burnley 2. And Burnley actually took a 2-0 lead, mate. Um, which, don't know about you, but I was not expecting to see them be 2-0 up. No, not at all. I think it's uh, it's very Burnley-like to stop at one goal and then just try to pack it in. Um, but uh, I think the resilience showed by Southampton was um, something we saw more last year and reminded me of their performances last year and I guess even the beginning of this year. So it was good to see um, from uh, a South Coast perspective, I guess. And it was also just good to see Ings hitting form again and, uh, you know, having a a tidy finish and also creating a little bit. So good to see him back on track. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Burnley took the lead through a penalty and then great volley from Vidra. It was a nice little finish. But then with, I didn't even realise Ings touched the ball to Armstrong. Armstrong's finish, by the way, was class. But I thought Ings yeah. dummied it. Um, but it says here it went down as an Ings assist. So he must have got a touch. Mm-hmm. And then for Ings's goal, mate, he was cold as ice for that finish. Like, I thought he bottled it at first, and then he just, like, fake shot at it, took his time, and just slotted it home. And, oh, mate, it was sick. Yeah, and that, again, that reminds me just of his form last year. And, you know, and it's it's just an example of how clinical of a finisher he is and when he's on form. So, and he's healthy, most importantly. So, hopefully, uh, he can continue the rest of the year like that. Yeah, definitely, mate. And then, obviously, Redmond wrapping it up for them, um, you know, finishing off a great comeback, 3-2. Again, it was a really entertaining game, and that put Southampton up to 13th, um, well clear of the drop zone. Burnley, 33 points. Again, seven points clear of drop zone. I, I don't think them two teams have really anything to worry about. Burnley, I can't really see them being unhappy with being around 15th. I feel like they're, they're around about that area with the quality they have. Southampton, though, obviously, we mentioned it last week, stopped the count, top of the table, and gosh, how they've fallen <laughs> since then. Yeah, I think since then they have, like, only 18 points and probably almost 20 matches. So, yeah, they they need to, I guess, something needs to change there or they just need to all stay healthy at once. But um, like you said, I think, Burnley, um, you know, their supporters will probably be happy with just staying up considering their just absolutely horrendous recruitment policy and the just total lack of investment from their owners. So um, I hope for their supporters' sake and for uh, Sean Dyke's sake that they uh, that they buy some sort of attacking players <laughs> that can, you know, create for them so they can continue to stay in the league. But if not, who knows? They might be suspect to drop. Yeah, definitely, mate. They're, they're such a boring team to watch, to be honest. Uh, but Burnley games so are probably up there with the most boring in the league is alongside Sheffield, to be honest with you. Um, but obviously that game was entertaining and so was the next one. Newcastle 2, Tottenham 2. Um, Joel Linton starting off the score in there, making it 1-0. And yeah. then... The guy who we mentioned for player of the season as a as a potential candidate, Harry Kane, doing what he does best, mate, scoring a brace. And his second finish, by the way, was 
absolutely class. Yeah, and that's just what Kane does, as we spoke about um, on last week's episode. And I think now he's, is he number one? Is he solo number one in terms of goals scored? I think he is now. Yeah, so he's on he's on 19, and I'm pretty sure Salah's... Salah on 18, yeah, I think so. Um, but well, that's what Kane does, and, uh, you know, it, if things are going right for Tottenham, it seems like 95% of the time it's flowing through Kane, so... Um, but that, that defence is still so suspect, and um, it almost seemed like Newcastle could have grabbed, you know, another goal, and potentially that Willock goal could have been the winner, so... Um, very disappointing for Spurs fans, but um, you know they're still in the top four race. But they they need to turn things around, and and it feels like there's a tension now between Jose and um, and the players. As I think he said in the post game interview, like one of the pressers asked him, "What's the difference between what's the difference, and why can't you hold on to uh, these you know one or two goal leads?" And he said, "Same." He said, "Same coach, different players." So. We'll uh we'll see how that plays out the rest of the year. Yeah, definitely. And if you if you look at the stats as well for the Newcastle Tottenham game, as you were saying, Newcastle will feel hard done by that they didn't get three points from it. So they they had twenty two goal attempts to Tottenham's eleven. Um, they only had six on target, whereas Tottenham had five. But yeah, New Newcastle had some good chances, mate. Joe Linton had a good chance to get a brace. I'm sure Gale. Gail either had a shot saved or he hit the post or the bar or something like that quite yeah, early on. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Joe Willett coming on, mate, and equalising. But, again, really good game. But from that, main thing I took away was just Harry Kane is just unbelievable at finishing. That second goal, I actually couldn't believe it, mate. Like, it's not just like... It's not like, obviously, one of the best goals you've ever seen, but he just makes it look so easy. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I could pick anyone in world football who I would rely on to finish for me, um, I'd definitely say Harry Kane. I feel like he's one of the best finishers in the world right now. Yeah, definitely in the Premier League, I think he's by far and away the the best finisher. I, I think, for me, Lewandowski is, is probably right next to him, um, along with, obviously, the likes of Ronaldo and Messi. But, um, wow, he's just he's been on incredible form this year. So, um, it's almost going to seem a, a waste if Spurs don't finish top four, just considering how good he's been and you know who knows maybe he looks to to make another to make a move away from uh, North London this summer yeah and it mate. but Spurs three points out of the top four uh their fixtures next game they've got United they've then got Everton uh they've got Leeds away and they've got less the last game of the season as well so that that could be a potential top four battle. I yeah, remember mentioning that, that could, last year. Yeah, that but, could be. Similar to last year, yeah. But yeah, I feel like Tottenham are in quite a good position because other than the uh, cup final against City, they've only got the Premier League. So they can literally, like, they don't have yeah. to worry about really resting players other than for the final. So they can just kind of go all out to try and get that Champions League spot. But yeah, they do need to start picking up some wins and get a, get a bit more consistent um because obviously before before this as well, they um, did get a win against Villa, but then they lost to Arsenal. So, you know, a bit, bit disappointing for them. But we shall see how things go, mate. Um, on to the next game then. Villa 3, Fulham 1. Uh, pretty dead first half, to be fair. Um, 
but Fulham Fulham played played well to be fair. They had some chances. And then Mitrovic, who, you know, historically for Fulham has been an absolute bagsman, got his third of the season, which for Mitrovic, after twenty four matches, you'd think he'd have more than three this season. But um yeah. when they went one the up, I was like, no way are Villa gonna lose to Fulham. Because obviously Fulham without sorry, uh Villa without Grealish, you mentioned it last week there just not the same team and you feel like when Grealish is there they can beat anyone when he's not there they can get beat by anyone so when Fulham went one the lip I thought I thought that was curtains for them I don't know about you um yeah I think um I was definitely surprised how Fulham took the lead and um it was just it was incredible that uh Trezeguet you know two goals when was it five minutes four minutes and I don't He's kind of come out of nowhere the last, I guess, since the new year, and he's he's been banging in some goals for them. So um, I thought Ollie Watkins um, could have had maybe more than just the goal he scored. Um, so I, I think it was a good response from Villa in the second half. And um, in terms of Fulham, it's it's been weird because I think Parker has moved away from Mitrovic, obviously, with um, I guess the uh, you know the inclusion of. Lookman, Decordova, Reed, who else? Um, the Maja, Maja, Josh Maja, the guy that they just signed. Um, so it's been weird. It's been weird, like you said, not to see him as their their talisman. And I think he was number one for goal involvement uh, last year in the in the championship. So um, or was I don't know if that was last year. Yeah, I think it was last year. Um, so just just an interesting storyline for Fulham. I I honestly hope they stay up. But um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, weird though as well because Mitrovic obviously he's not he's not like as you say been the talisman for them. But Serbia, mate, if he scored five goals in three games for Serbia over the international break, two against Ireland, he got a goal against Portugal and Azerbaijan as well. Um, well, a brace against Azerbaijan. So I don't know. Maybe now as he's gone four games in a row getting goals. Maybe we'll see more from him and Fulham's form can pick up mm-hmm. and they can maybe get out of that um get out of the, the relegation zone. But I mean Newcastle are three points clear of them and they've got a game in hand, so I don't know, mate. I, I feel like Fulham uh, are gonna go down to be honest. But like yeah, like we say, we'll see, yeah. Good, never know. Yeah, and then on on to a team then that's uh Again, went down but came back. So a lot of uh, a lot of comebacks this weekend. Uh, Man United two, one Brighton. So obviously Welbeck back at uh, Old Trafford haunting them, makes it one nil. And then obviously you know United had a few chances. I think Greenwood in the first half did he hit the post or the bar or something like that. It was a pretty yeah, sweet yeah, strike from him. Close. To be fair, mate. Um, I was talking about my friend. Talked to my friend about Greenwood as well. Um, just how good of a finisher Greenwood is as well. Like obviously Harry Kane's next level finishing, but then Mason Greenwood for 19 years of age, probably the second best finisher England have got. Only two goals in the league, yeah. But some of the strike, some of the, some of the times he strikes a ball and the keeper makes a great save or it hits the woodwork. He's got a really nice technique, especially for his age. You know what I mean? Yeah, he he definitely does. And actually, this is a point I think. Either um, Neville or Carragher were making in in the little highlights of a conversation I saw from um, the weekend, and 
when they were revealing their England squad predictions. And um, I think Neville was making the point that uh, he wanted to include Greenwood over Sancho because um, I, I think DCL is a, is a bit of a different style forward than um, than Kane. And he's, he was just insinuating that Greenwood is, would kind of be the, the natural replacement in case Kane got a knock or injured or, you know, they needed they needed somebody to just come in for him or maybe even pair up top with him. So like you said, yeah, some of the goals he he um, he scored last year in Project Restart were just incredible. And it seems like the pace he gets on the ball and his craftiness within the 18-yard box is, is something that's only going to um, benefit him in the future. And I really do see positive things for him um, playing, you know, in front of Fernandez and with Rashford and um, who knows, maybe – Maybe somebody a bit better than Dan James, like maybe Sancho will even um, return to Manchester, the, the different side. But um, yeah, it will just be uh, be good things for him if they can they can add attacking talent to that uh, that lineup. Yeah, definitely, mate. I agree. Um, obviously, Rashford as well got a got a cheeky little roll into the back of the net um, mm-hmm. to make it two one. Welbeck as well. I'm pretty sure Welbeck had a chance to. Um, score another but I can't quite remember what happened and I'm, I'm trying to remember it in my head but I can't but I know Welbeck had another chance to score so obviously that result could have been different but yeah with, with regards to Greenwood and the England side personally I don't think he's ready for it yet and especially off the back of this season like I said only getting two goals so far obviously it's not over yet and he could improve that um, record but I don't know I feel like I feel like you've got to you've got to bring Sancho um, over Greenwood. Like, yeah, definitely. I I agree with what Neville said. Like in the England squad, who is the best finisher? Kane. Then it probably is Greenwood. But I just feel like we do need to see a bit more from Greenwood, other than just his like mm-hmm. breakout season last year kind of thing. Yeah, of course, and and I think it comes with being nineteen years old. Obviously, it's not, and him not being consistently selected in the side, it's hard to to show that um, consistency in terms of finishing. And, uh, you know, he probably he does not have as much big game experience as Sancho or probably whoever else they would include. So I agree with you. I think it's probably more of a, um, a World Cup shout for Greenwood if he can put together a solid season next year. Um, but just regarding the game quickly, I think there was also a, a – a Brighton penalty shout. I don't know when it was. One of my good friends, Bryce, who lives over here in the States. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, one of my good friends, Bryce, to give him a little shout out. He, uh, he listened last week, so I'm sure he'll be listening again this week. He, uh, he texted me and was just fuming that there wasn't a penalty. And I didn't actually see the highlights, but he was saying that they would give United that penalty every time. But um, it, ju- it just seems that this is how United have won, especially on the road this year. I know this one was at home, but they go down and they come back. I think, what did they have, like a record, like five road wins in a row where they went down a goal and then they came back and won. So it's something about going down. That, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's, it's a bit odd, but I guess it gets a reaction out of them and they start slow. Yeah, like I, I hate United, mate. And whenever they go down, I literally like – so whenever Liverpool go down, my mate always puts in the WhatsApp like, "Oh, Liverpool laughs at them." Whenever United go down, I don't even bother doing that because I'm like, they they're gonna come back. So there's no point in me yeah, making yeah. myself look like an idiot by saying, "Ha ha, United are down," and then they come back to win like they always do. But yeah, no, I I agree with um what your mate said. The 
it, I, I feel like it was a penalty. Um, I think even the commentators said it was a penalty. He, he dragged him back. If he do, if Maguire doesn't touch him there, it's an easy tapping for Welbeck. So, mm-hmm. yeah, de- definite penalty. But obviously, you know, referees twerking as always for Man United. Um, so, no, no different there, mate. But on to yeah, Monday then. Um, so one game away from your team, lad. First game on Monday, Everton won, Palace won. Um, tell you what, Eze is absolutely class. You know he like what watching that game. He could have scored a wow nice goal in the first half. Um, but I think it was either a good stop or it got blocked or something. But he's just like. He he just seems to make Palace tick a little bit more, and obviously he's only young. Like how old is he? Let's have a look. He's only twenty two. Um, to be fair, I thought he was a bit younger than that, but he's just like he he's so good to watch. Um, especially in a side like Palace, who other than Zaha, they they're pretty dead to be fair. But you know he's 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 talented, and then obviously they could have had chances to um to beat Everton, but Everton also had a good few chances as well. Calvert Lewin had some chances mm-hmm. and whatnot, but James Rodriguez was the guy who ended up getting the getting the scoring started there. Um, nice finish into the bottom corner, to be fair, from him. Obviously, there was that whole rumour of James, apparently, I don't know if you saw it, James Rodriguez was apparently having a sex change and becoming a bird and whatnot. So, oh, that was so weird, mate. But comes back to score. Um, whether or not he's still got a penis, who knows? But he's uh, he's scoring still, so <laughs> yeah. I think uh, hopefully his his goal will uh, in his on field playing will uh, will shush that talking <laughs> if he cares so much about it. Who who knows if he if he pays attention to it at all? But um, yeah, I, th- I mean I think he's another one who's been out injured, unless I'm just mistaken and I I haven't followed Everton that close. But he hasn't at least been consistently in the starting eleven for them like he was at the beginning of the year when Everton was flying. So, um, you know, good for good for that side of the Scouts. Uh, the Scousers to um, to see him get a goal. But then obviously, you know, they, they probably should have finished it off and put it out of reach before Batshuayi could strike and, and, um, and give Palace that – I guess well deserved and and much needed one point. Even though I guess they're sort of in in that sort of thirteenth through fifteenth area, I believe, the um, twelfth now. But you know the rest of their season does doesn't really matter that much. So who knows how much intensity we'll continue to see? Because I felt like in Project Restart last year, Palace just kind of crapped the bed. To be honest, they didn't really go out and do much but like you said Eze is so much fun to watch his his ability to carry the ball forward is much needed for Crystal Palace because other than Zaha and I guess Townsend can do that at times too they don't really have anybody with that sort of flair and just technical dribbling ability so it's fun to watch him and uh, he's definitely a good spike of injection for Crystal Palace and I think he'll be the main man to come for at least a couple of years assuming he stays there so we'll see. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can't remember who I was talking to us about, but he's sort of like Palace's new Zaha. Like Zaha came, he was young, he was just like electric for them, so entertaining to watch. And then after that, they didn't really have anybody that was like a new prospect coming in for them and someone that was, mm-hmm. you know, someone to get excited by. So I, I think Eze's definitely brought that to the club. 
And then quick one on Batshiawi, mate. He's he's got such a weird career. Like, there's no doubt about it. He can score goals. He's he's the batsman. So he's weird, he's yeah. a bagsman. But he's he's still, I believe, at Chelsea. But they just loan him out. Like, I think it's like four years in a row now. They've just loaned him out. It was Dortmund, Valencia, and then obviously yeah. Palace last two seasons. Like, I don't know why Chelsea don't just give him a chance next season. Selling. Yeah, or sell him, yeah. yeah could, could be better than Werner. I mean, <laughs> at least when he comes on, you know, he he's he has some confidence and he's not scared to, to you know, strike the ball. And if he makes a mistake, whatever, he moves on. And I don't know. Yeah, it seems like Werner could use some, you know, direct competition at the club because right now it doesn't seem... I mean, obviously Giroud is there and they're a little bit more... They're different style strikers. Rude has more of that hold-up play. But Batshuayi, it seems like he also kind of likes to get in behind, similar to Werner. So, you know, maybe it would add a little pressure and cause him to step up his game next year. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that and and see what what they do with him. Yeah, definitely, mate. But um, with regards to Everton, then quickly, they uh, they had a big chance there to, you know, put, put pressure yeah, on the top big. four. Um, obviously, they have still got a game in hand. They win that, they go up to 50 points, but it could have been they go up to 52 and potentially go ahead of you guys. I don't think so, though, because of goal difference. But they could have, if, if they won that and they won the next game, they could have at least been joint with West Ham on points in the top four. And um, segueing onto that then, West Ham in the top four after a great win against Wolves. 3-2, yeah. mate. Yes, what a win. Um, this... Again, the the Jesse Lingard, the Jay Ling show. I think his his run was recorded at fifty two meters, um, which was the longest single run that's led to a goal so far this year in the Premier League. So it was just you know it was incredible for him to carry that ball that long. And uh, major major credit has to go to Mikel Antonio for the sort of dummy run that he had in front of him that got a a few defenders going the wrong way and then a good finish on the left foot. So, um, and then, yeah, he's again involved in the, in the build up to the second goal, the little flick on the, um, touch line to Masawaku who plays it into four nows. And then, um, and then I don't even know how the third goal, how Bowen scored. It was like six on two. I don't know if you saw the freeze frame of like six Wolves players surrounding just Bowen and Lingard and somehow we still scored. So, yeah, and Patricio probably does a little bit poorly to get beat at his near post, but um, it's still a cracking finish. I, th- I think he still hit it pretty hard, and um, I-, I was a little bit scared uh, we were going to do an Arsenal game again because we gave up that goal that goal late in the first half with then Donker. I think he came in with a nice um, header, actually, with and after Adama Traore made a, a similar run. If not, it might have even been longer. Um, to get the assist I don't know if you saw that he just torched about like four of our players and we couldn't we couldn't bring him down I guess because he has those oily arm those oily arms <laughs> yeah that that run by yeah. Traore was like what you were used to seeing from him like last season and whatnot and what you expected yeah. more from this season and I think it was actually Jay Lings who was probably the closest to getting to him um with yeah. regards to blocking it but yeah that that was class from thingy and then quick one on the Jay Lings turn um, that gave me major Berbatov vibes when Berbatov did the spin and assisted Ronaldo. That was actually against yeah. West Ham like ten years ago. 
But, mate, I, I honestly, we spoke about it last week. I don't understand how Lingard is just so good now. Like, it's ridiculous. What is it? <laughs> Six goals, three assists or something like that in, like, eight games or something, mate. He's... I, I think he has the most goal involvement since he joined us in the Premier League. So, he's like, I don't know how he hasn't won uh, Player of the Month the last two months. I guess Ianacho had a good month, but... Um, yeah, he's been. He, we would not be in fourth without him. I'll just say that we would not be anywhere, probably near fourth. So he saved us. Yeah, nah, he he has been absolutely class. And Jared Bowen as well, mate. I I always liked him. Um, hopefully, well, I'm saying hopefully. I want us to get top four. Obviously, if Liverpool don't get it, I would want West Ham over anyone else, Chelsea, Tottenham, whatnot, to get it. But obviously, I want us to get it. Um, what's the latest on Antonio's injury? So, um, I, I think he's done his hamstring again and that, you know, his, for whatever reason, those are just made out of glass. Um, and I think he, he went in to, to get a scan today. So I'm not sure there's a, there's a guy on Twitter, ex West Ham employee. Who's, um, who's basically West Ham's in the know. And, um, and he said he didn't know today either. So we're still waiting to hear back on that. If not, uh, I think Yarmolenko is coming back from injury now. So he might be able to fill in with striker at striker, even though I'm not very crazy about him. Just his work rate isn't as good as nearly as good as Antonio, nor is his hold up play. So I guess we might see Bowen sort of move into that central role. Also, Lingard can basically just play anywhere up top he wants now, just because he's that sort of uh, presence for us. So. Um, yeah, I think, uh, if even despite Antonio, I think we have a good run in and the game against Leicester next week is very big. So, um, and the game against Chelsea in a couple weeks time will be huge. That will be, you know, really big decider of top four. So I'm very much so looking forward to that and hopefully we can get a win and just confirm that London is claret and blue for this year. Yeah, it mate. Um, quick, quick shout out to Wolves as well. They, I mean, they they managed to make it three two. Obviously, Fabio Silva, eighteen years of age, getting his third Premier League goal. It, it was a nice finish from him. To be fair, took it really well. Um, and I think everybody was sort of in the same boat as you, mate, thinking, "Oh, West Ham going to bottle this." Um, but now nah, they, they they managed to hold out. Um, and again, it was it was a really entertaining game. Like. Mate, the amount of amount of high scoring games there was this weekend was absolutely ridiculous. It was such a good like week to bring the podcast back in terms of normal routine and layout of it because it was just such a entertaining good weekend from starting off with the Chelsea loss, obviously man and your team getting big wins. Um mm-hmm. Southampton's comeback, just everything this weekend, mate, was was great. And, you know, hopefully next weekend and the last eight, nine games of the season, um, game week, sorry, continue to be just as entertaining. Yeah, of course. And, it, and just to quickly touch on the West Ham Wolves game again, I, and to bring up Gary Neville again, I saw him on Sky before the match saying how he thought it might be a hard watch. And, you know, like you said, it turned out to be a great and entertaining match. I mean, there was plenty of chances. I can think of William Jose should have scored in the first half and Neto missed the putback, um, the rebound. And like you said, Silva took his goal excellently. So, and what a ball by Ruben Neves. It, it was uh, sort of Cruise-like almost. But, um, yeah, just, just another entertaining game, like you said. And I hope the rest of the, you know, the stretch, 
the rest of the year is is full of high scoring games like that too. It's just it's just much more fun to watch and keeps you on the edge of your seat. Exactly, mate. Yeah, and it also gives us plenty to talk about on the podcast, mate. But anyway, guys, we have covered every match from the previous game week. Um, we will hopefully be back next week. Maybe Joe will be joining us. Maybe Josh will be joining us as well. Um, everybody said you did really well on it. And um, your mate, uh, Josh, Cheers. as well, did really well. So as I say, you guys are welcome back every week if you'd like to. Um, just remember well, the name. The names are few. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, a few of the boys have um, been been taking the piss out of that. So, but yeah, no. Um, as always, mate, pleasure having you, and um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Peace.